Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Today, I have the amazing Kevin Kraut. He's the co-founder and CEO at Orderly Health. Kevin left his role as the Senior Product Manager for Electronic Arts, that's EA, as many of you are aware, digital platform team, to help found Orderly. Prior to EA, Kevin was working as a product manager at a mobile analytics startup called Upsite in San Francisco. His clients included Glue Mobile, Tinder, Jack Threads, and Kaiser Permanente, obviously the organizations you all have heard about. Kevin can trace the roots of his interest in healthcare back to early childhood memories, making rounds with his dad, at the time a physician in Denver. Originally enrolled in the pre-med program at Duke, Kevin shifted his focus to the business of healthcare, choosing instead to study healthcare policy as a public policy economics major. When he's not in the office, you could find Kevin skiing, rock climbing, or running, usually while listening to podcasts like this one. <laughs> right, Kevin? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> on healthcare and technology in the mountains of Colorado. So, Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Glad you could join us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you, Saul. Hey, me too. Now, did I leave anything out in that intro that you want to share with listeners? One part of my story that I do always like to share is it mentions that I started off in the pre-med program at Duke, but what really ultimately sealed my fate in terms of not going into healthcare as a clinician or physician was a conversation that I had with my dad. It was 2001 Hmm. and my dad had been a practicing physician for about 30 years. And ultimately, one of the things that we talked about was how much the healthcare industry had changed and how many physicians really didn't love their jobs anymore. You know, they got into healthcare in order to practice medicine and it was so bogged down by bureaucracy and politics that they ultimately ended up either leaving or telling their kids to not go into the profession, which is a really common trend. So I am one of those healthcare defectors. And I guess only (laughs) by uh, happenstance did I make my way back into the healthcare industry. Well, it's in your genes, my friend. Even though you're not practicing uh, as a physician, you're still impacting health. So excited to dive into some of those things. And and yeah, you know, this physician, physician burnout is a real thing. Lack of satisfaction is a real thing. 
So looking for ways to improve those elements are a great business idea for those of you looking for ideas to get into healthcare. But diving into some of the experiences that you've had, what would you say is a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda? And how are you guys approaching it at Orderly Health? Yeah, and, and I have to apologize up front because I think that I am just about to drop a bunch of buzzwords, but I know it's a little cliche. I do think that there's a lot going on in the healthcare space around the things that we've been hearing about for years, things like big data, machine learning, artificial intelligence, all these things. In my opinion, there was a lot of promise for the last 20 years or so. And we're now starting to see that promise come to fruition. And what I mean by that is, you know, with big data technology, we're starting to see more and more analysis of claims and outcomes and how that can improve the member experience. With machine learning, a good example there is how computers are effectively being taught how to spot and recognize imaging, radiology images, x-rays, and stuff like that, and are doing a better job of analyzing breaks and, and maybe cancerous cells or something like that before a trained physician can. And then the last part with artificial intelligence, humans are prone to bias, and there's a lot of different ways that they can get stuck in their ways and, and not be able to be quite as agile or capable as these algorithms that we're teaching computers how to recognize. So I think in a number of ways, the confluence of these three trends is coming together. And what we do is I actually think is pretty lightweight compared to some of the heavy hitters on the clinical side, things that I mentioned related to spotting cancerous cells or analyzing claims and outcomes. We're leveraging existing technologies in the AI space and specifically using natural language processing technologies to create a platform that allows people to interact with the healthcare space as though they're interacting with a human when they're actually interacting with a software. So I can't take credit for a lot of the developments that, that have been made in this space. Uh, we're, as they say, we're standing on the shoulders of giants at Orderly Health. But I do think that being able to spot these trends and leverage them has really been a foundation for our success and, and we hope is a, a foundation for future success as well as we're making it easier for individuals to navigate the healthcare space. Yeah, I think those are some great insights. So maybe you want to tell the listeners a little bit about Louie and what your service does. Yeah, sure. So in a nutshell, what Orderly has done is we've created a chatbot that helps people, individuals navigate the healthcare space. And, you know, I'll talk a little bit about Louie, which is the name of our chatbot, but also about where we're going, because I do think it ends up, I think, diminishing the value of our platform if we just chalk it up to just yet another chatbot. Effectively, what we found when we were trying to start this company was individuals wanted an advocate. There are a lot of companies out there that do specific things very well. For example, if you want to find a doctor covered under your plan, there's a number of different companies that are out there that'll help you, not to mention your individual insurance company, but you could use Better Doctor or Health Grades or ZocDoc or a number of others that will help you try to find a doctor and even schedule for you based on what plan you're on. What we're doing is, is enabling a platform that brings multiple of these different single source or, or uh, single use case providers and bringing them on all together into the form of a chatbot. So you can ask a question like, what's the best pediatrician covered under my plan? And we can answer that using our API partners and, and data and service providers. But we can also help you navigate to at-home care using a partner of ours called Dispatch Health or let you know that you can order your medications online instead of going to your local Walgreens or CVS using our online pharmacy partner. 
And the big innovation that we're bringing to the table is that by bringing all of these different solutions into a single platform, when you chat with our chatbot, Louie, you're actually chatting with effectively 20 different apps that you would download onto your phone. And through a HIPAA compliant backend, we're able to share some demographic and contextual information with these different service providers so that the handoff tends to be very seamless. It ends up being making for a much better use case. And then we sell that to insurance companies so that you no longer have to deal with the dreaded portal or wait on hold for your insurance company for hours on end to answer a simple question about your benefits or finding a telemedicine provider or something like that. So we're just getting started, but we have a few enterprise customers and we're really excited about the progress that Louis has made in the last year or so. Well, that, I think that's really interesting, Kevin, how you guys are, are sort of aggregating all of the different apps and giving consumers access to them. So are you guys working from uh, the space of business to consumer or are you going to be working through, through payers and employers to offer this? Yeah, I mean, we actually take a hybrid approach. I think that for most people who are developing in the healthcare space, the idea of B2B to C, business to business to consumer, is fairly common because consumers, as we all know, it's a trend that is starting to change. But for the most part, consumers are not the ones at the core of their care. And we're really trying to, to change that. We're trying to make consumers' decisions more seamless and more informed with the data they need when they're making those decisions. So we are focused on selling to insurance companies, payers, third-party administrators, also known as TPAs, and other players in the healthcare space that provide their services to the individual patient or member. We like to think of it as a user because we're trying to get away from the nomenclature of thinking of people always being sick. And when you yep. say, when you put anybody uses a patient, then effectively you're already assuming that the person is sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to change that a little bit, but we do have a consumer facing side. And what's great about that is we can go directly to our consumers with Louie. So Our platform is actually white labeled. Many times a user of Orderly may not know that they're using Orderly. The way that it works is an insurance company will offer Orderly to their members, but they might rebrand it as their own chatbot. So, you know, Cross Blue Shield will call it something different. But if you go to the Orderly Health website, you used to be able to actually sign up directly. And this is where we run experiments and try to improve the member engagement and, and experiment with different functional use cases that individuals can try. And that, that's actually how we improve our member experience for these insurance companies. Well, I think that's pretty cool. And, and sounds like you're tackling a little bit of both sides the consumer as well as the business side of it. So as you think through some of the more recent use cases, can you think about uh, an example that you've improved outcomes or or improved the overall health care process? Can you maybe share an example of that for us? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think that the things that we do best, and this is something that we figured out from our consumer-facing application and people signing up just on the web and, and testing out Louie, is we help people find doctors better, we help them manage their medications, and then we help them with answering questions about their benefits. So the statistics that we always bring up is that we have about a 70% onboarding process or a 70% conversion rate when it comes to people onboarding, which is incredibly high in the healthcare space. But more importantly, we're seeing 20% month over month retention on Louie. So people will sign up, they'll interact with Louie, and then they'll come back 
you know, one in five of them will come back the next month. And that's really important. That 20% number is really important because the standard in the healthcare space is somewhere around 1%. Often you're seeing much lower. The reason being that most people don't want to to consume healthcare, but if we're able to make it engaging and fun, then we'll actually see that we can get away from what I was talking about earlier, the idea of healthcare being sick care, right? It's the idea of naming all of your users patients and assuming right. there's something that they need. Well, with that 20%, we're seeing people come back and ask questions about when they can schedule an appointment and whether they're covered for an annual physical. And we're still early, but we really are uh, bullish on the idea that by getting that engagement up, we're going to be able to see a lot more users being proactive in managing their care so that it's not sick care, that it actually is healthcare. They're ordering medications when they need, they're making uh, doctor's appointments when they need, they're getting the care that they need to be preventative rather than reactive. And I think that that's really important. Yeah, I think that's a really great call out. And Kevin, what would you say at a time or an example where you had a setback? And what did you learn from that setback? Yeah, sure. Um, well, what is the the quote? I, I think it's, I don't know if it's always, it might be, what is the word I'm looking for? That, it, that it's misappropriated to Obama, but that success is not a linear path. So Fred Wilson said the job of the CEO is to do three things well. It's articulate the long-term vision of the product, make sure you have enough money to keep the lights on and hire and inspire a talented team to execute on that vision. One of the things that I've really tried to do is have my series of failures be learning experiences, but to avoid that major failure that's going to sink the company. And we've done okay with that so far. But I, what I will say is that the hardest to take failure as a CEO is when you make the wrong hire. We actually yeah. got on board and early, we never, it was kind of our tech lead early on. And that was a, a tough decision for us because we're always shooting for that unicorn engineer tech person who's going to solve all your problems. But ultimately, you as a young startup, you really have to get a little bit lucky and inspire people at the right moment. And I think that what we found is that the longer you keep on people who are a bad fit, the more dangerous it becomes to the company. So you asked what the failure was. I mean, we've made a couple failures when it comes to hiring. Yeah. Uh, but I think that what I've really learned from that is, and for anybody who's thinking about starting a company out there, I can't stress this enough. Whatever your fears are in terms of the worst possible outcome imaginable, it's not as bad as you think it is in your head. I think the reason that we hung on to employees a little long is I was always afraid that by making this decision to let somebody go or moving on with another decision that we were going to somehow sink the company and that it was, it was going to be the end of orderly. And I think that what you realize is once you've made a decision, you remove that burden from your mind space and it just allows you to be much more clear and move ahead. So it's, it's like leaving off an anchor. Even if you have no tech talent or you make a decision to go into a different business unit and you have no experience in that business unit, there is a clarity that comes from making that decision that just allows you to move ahead so much more quickly. And in a lot of ways, it's very liberating. So I think that that's been the greatest experience that I've had from failure is just how freeing it can be to not continue to worry about the failure, make it, accept it, move on. I think that's such a great message. And yeah, hiring is tough. I'm a firm believer that you just have to hire slow. And if you need to, fire fast. I had an open role recently and I wanted to fill it quick. 
but it took me eight months. <laughs> Kevin, it took me eight months, but I've got the guy for the job and he is just going to do amazing. Had some great candidates overall, but yeah, I mean, it just, it's worth waiting. Absolutely. And during that eight months, I can only imagine the level of doubt and fear that creeps in. We've had that same experience. You just want it to be over, but in the end, it's worth it. I agree with you. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So what would you say one of your proudest leadership experiences in healthcare has been to date, Kevin? So this might seem kind of minor. Again, we're still pretty early. We've been around for about three years, but we actually have made a couple pivots that has Mm -hmm. uh, slowed our product development at times. But I'll never forget this. We were demoing at some angel investor pitch event an investor who was also a physician came up and was starting to talk to us. And he was asking about our our application and whatnot. And uh, he was looking for a doctor and he was testing it. And he was comparing our product side by side with his insurance company's uh, data. And it turns out that he found a doctor that was covered under his plan on our system that his insurance company didn't have. So what was so interesting about that is that little win for us turned into a contract, not as an investor, but with another company, because we had a company that found out about us through the fact that our data was better than theirs. And it started a conversation, well, how are you doing this? What's powering this on the back end? And we explained to them that we use all these different data partners and kind of mash together that data. So in a lot of ways, we can have more than one angle for where that data comes from. And they were only able to use their own internal provider data set. So it ended up being just this, I mean, it was a long process, but what started off as this really minor win and a moment of, of pride for me turned into a contract for one of our first enterprise customers. Kevin, so you know what, what a great example. And what you're saying is just so true. You know, today, the direction that our industry is heading, it's going to be the companies and the people that can actually make insights with data and better control, manage, and clean data so that it's useful that are going to be the most successful. Look at companies like Amazon, for instance, right? They're doing a phenomenal job of managing this data. And to your point, you were able to do it in a way that was better and got this contract out of it. Yeah, it was super exciting. It is such a a thrilling moment as one thing I will say is when you're starting a company, people don't talk about it enough. I know that there's plenty of material out there about how hard it is, but it is also just a string of setbacks and failures that you just have to push through. And it's yep. those moments of just little reward that, that make you beam like a proud parent and ultimately that keep you coming back. Yeah, that's so cool. Now, Kevin, did you have an insight here where you're like, man, maybe the actual value we could provide is different than we thought at the beginning? What a great question, because I was hoping to to have a chance to talk about this anyway, but this is something that we're working on. And this is really an extension of that contract that I was telling you about. So again, we have a system that does some interesting things and it brings together all these different sources of data. But on the back end, we've been working on trying to figure out a way to make that data more valuable so that it's not just a pass-through. And this was, in some ways, a, a bit of a eureka moment, but it also took a lot of work because we knew we needed to dig in and, and find the skill set necessary to really pursue a product out of that one little insight. So what ended up happening was we spent nearly two years recruiting a head of data science And we ended up finding an incredible candidate. And now we're really investing, sort of doubling down on that one insight where we're now Hmm. taking 
multiple different sources of data. And rather than just saying, okay, what Louis can do is you ask a question, we connect you with the best data source and pass that data source through unchanged. What we're doing is developing a software on the back end that can take multiple different sources of data and then compare is specifically around provider networks. So we can compare what data is available for each physician or clinician or whatever it is on the web. So I kind of joke like it's a little bit like the analogy in Jurassic Park when there's gaps in the DNA, they fill it in with a frog's DNA. Well, I'm sure you know, and many of your listeners know, many times network data is patchy and incomplete or incorrect altogether. Yep. If you can take multiple different sources of data for the same doctor or clinician or dentist or whoever it is, and even though it's not entirely consistent, what we're working on is actually mashing all that together to give one unified look at this information so that it's accurate and predictable based on what source it's coming from and other contextual factors like location, specialty, that sort of thing. So this tiny insight led us down this road of developing something a lot more sophisticated. And we're super excited about the progress that we're making on that tool. That's awesome, Kevin. Congrats on that. And yeah, like you said, it's those little insights that turn into the real aha moments and even lead you to a product that actually is desired and needed by the market. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that you, you constantly have to, again, we're, we're kind of, we're rehashing a number of cliches in the startup space, but you do have to constantly have an open mind, listen to the market. There's the concept that the market always wins you really don't know what you're building until you put it out into the wild and you see how people react to it. There's just countless stories, right? Airbnb started off as an aha moment during a conference in San Francisco. Instagram started off as a a check-in app, right? People, what, what the best entrepreneurs do is they take something, they get it into the market early, and then they see how people respond to it. And they really chase down the opportunities for where there's success and what they've built. Yeah, I think that's a great message and you're doing just that, Kevin. So kudos to you and your team and, uh, and, and keep up the great work, man. Well, thank you very much. I always say don't confuse activity for achievement, but we're, we're well on our way. We're trying hard. That's awesome. Now let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of healthcare. It's the 101 of Kevin. And so we, I've got four questions for you, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yep. Let's do What's, it. All right. Awesome. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think listen to the patient. You have to put the consumer, the individual at the center of healthcare. Otherwise, it's never going to work. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Don't think that you know the answers. I think you, you really need to kind of like what we were just saying, take your failures in stride, learn from your mistakes and really listen to the market so that you understand what the market is demanding. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I feel like I'm being a little bit of a broken record, but I just think you have to keep an open mind and never assume that you're right. Otherwise, you get into thinking that you get into a closed-minded attitude and you narrow your viewpoint and it never works. Love it. What would you say the number one area of focus that drives your company is? I think it's all about the consumer. We are trying to make the consumer the center of healthcare. So anything that we can do to improve the consumer user experience, and it really starts with us even using our own products, right? Understanding what we would want out of our system helps us understand what other people would want as well. 
What book would you recommend to the listeners? My favorite startup book is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I think it just does such a good job of capturing the startup experience. But if you're talking specifically about healthcare, there's a great book called The Healing of America by T.R. Reed. And I think every American should read it because we have this weird American exceptionalism that says that nothing that works in other countries can work in America. And that's just simply not true. Love that. So Kevin, this discussion has been great. We've talked about changing the direction of your company. We've discussed consumer versus business to business. I mean, we're covering a lot of great things, but what would be the one thing that you'd like to leave our listeners with as a going away point, a closing remark? Yeah. I mean, I just think that in all of the mainstream media, you hear so much about healthcare costs going up and how healthcare is such a political football. I want to leave with a message of optimism. I think that people often think that healthcare is 20, 30 years behind and it's so complicated that you can't change it. But if there's one thing that I've learned from my experience thus far trying to create orderly, it is hard, but there are a lot of really smart people out there doing incredibly cool things in the healthcare space. And I just want to encourage anybody out there who's even on the fence about joining healthcare because maybe like me, they were a little worried about the bureaucracy or just how hard it is. You can't do hard things unless you try. And I think we need more smart people in the space. Any innovation or any, any industry that's a little behind means that the, it's rife with opportunity. So I take a, a really optimistic viewpoint of the future and, and I'm excited to be living at a time when we have so much change all the time in technology. And I'm just really excited about the next 15, 20 years and where that can go in the healthcare space. A great voice of optimism there, Kevin. And what would you say the best place that the listeners could get a hold of you or follow you would be? Well, I am on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Kevin Krauth, K-E-V-I-N-K-R-A-U-T-H. You can also follow us, our thoughts and musings on healthcare uh, at Orderly Health. We have an Instagram and a Twitter, but I'm pretty available. So if you ever want to just reach out to me directly, my email address is just Kevin at orderlyhealth.com. So I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts and inspiring stories in the healthcare space. Outstanding. Hey, Kevin, this has been a true pleasure. You've left us with a lot of great things to think about and consider and uh, really appreciate you jumping on the show. Thanks so much, Saul. And thanks to all the listeners who are listening out there. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.